Hi, and welcome to the 115th episode of the Keen Minds podcast, where we cover NBC's The Blacklist. This is season eight, episode, season eight, episode eight, Ogden Greeley. I'm Jen, a.k.a. Takata Saigo. And I am Tessa. What an episode. <laughs> it was chock full of... Uh, of uh, parallels and fun things and missile strikes and Cooper and Red having coffee. A very quippy Cooper, too. Yes. He had some great lines. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and, wanna... and texting Dembe. Yeah. As he's in the office with the uh, with entire like and like, are you guys there? What are you guys doing there? I thought he was going to FaceTime him, to be honest, because he had FaceTime, like, right next to where I was like, that can't be legal, man. <laughs> like, it also was not legal for him. I mean, granted, a lot of the stuff they do is not technically legal, but sending the black budget to the number one on, <laughs> number one on the most wanted list, that's a little sketchy, Coop. <laughs> but that wasn't what he did. The, well, the he thing was redacted. He just gave that number and said, okay, just... Send me what you have, and I'll send you the real budget unredacted. Yeah, I guess that's... Yeah, I guess he may have not given him a whole lot. Which he is, didn't have it except the number. And, and in, in fact, the number one most wanted gave him the unredacted. Yeah. Which tells you a lot about a lot of things. It really does. So, do you want to jump into the parallels first? The oh, yeah. That it was so heavy. It was like, okay, now it's like, it's a flashlight. It has like the big spotlights here and it has like a marquee with lights and please look here. Oh, they just slapped us in the face with the parallels. It's like, in case you guys have been missing this, in case you might be, you know, cooking dinner while watching this, let me take my glove off and slap you with the parallel. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was... So Greeley is this uh, top-level U.S. intelligence officer who has designed everything there is to know about the satellite, satellite. systems. And he decides to um, up and go and start selling them with this with this soft story that he's a patriot and he's just trying to tell people that this is not right what they're doing is that there is very vulnerable so he's going to exploit it but in reality it he has been having a lovely affair with a russian and, yeah, and left his family behind yes well. and the wife is like oh no no i know him the fun thing starts when you notice that in this particular case the redhead is the wife and the Russian is the dark, the brunette one. Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> and Tessa's back on her curler arena. I have never left. Let I know. the record, I have never <laughs> left. Yeah, it was just, it was really interesting. Now, granted, you know, Greeley was in a versus naval intelligence but we also had a, a very interesting tie-in that his test run 
was on a naval base. And so I felt like that helped it tie that it first in. first image with just the chest thing, it looks like when we had in Kuwait and there was another, when all we saw of Reddington at that time was the chest with the medals and the, and the name, yeah. Yeah, it was it was very interesting and I what do you think? Do you think it's a direct parallel? Do you yeah. think it's The blacklist doesn't do direct parallels. There is always a mirror that is angled and some of it is not reflected. For me, this mirror that is angled is that the wife is a redhead. So not everything is as it seems. Everything is opposite as what it seems. In this case, because Reddington did not really share intelligence, he supposedly was framed um, by this red-headed Russian spy. In this case, the red-head wife is saying that, oh, no, he's a good man, but in reality, he is a traitor who's selling information. And you have Red at the end of it show up with the intel that he purchased off of off of uh, Ogden uh, Greeley, selling it back to the United States government, which is really just so he makes some money. He's trying to make some money off of it. Hey, I love Cooper's response. He's a response. criminal. He's a criminal. Saying, and he has to keep that up. You know, that's. Uh, but I loved uh, Cooper's response. Oh no. I'll give you a, I'll see if I can get you 155 because I'm the reason you didn't get blown out of, <laughs> out of orbit today. <laughs> it was that, that whole thing was just fantastic. Yeah. And it's also going to make Cooper look really good that he's just going to be able to walk right back into that room and says, here, I yeah. got it. Yeah. It's, but I mean, they, they are obviously, my guess is the task force would be a black budget. Oh, um, yeah. They're, they're so in there. Where they, um, they were funded through Monarch Douglas Bank, which is definitely a bank working with criminals. And that is something that, that was very interesting in this episode was the way that, that those lines blur when you're talking about intelligence. I mean, who's, you know, just something maybe legal, but it, is that not a criminal thing? And it, it was just so well done. I love the way that they that they approach this. Um, I I just that the fact that the wife was redhead and the Russian spy was a brunette that also changed her hairstyle when she was in the bathroom and must have had a reversible coat um, was so intriguing to me, especially because we have had this kind of parallels are like they're becoming, you know, like those, those, like the Jaws music, which is, you know, dun, 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 dun. they're just increasing in frequency. We had the freeboard connection with Red saying to um, Abraham Moores that I, you know, let's assume that I know what it feels like to be to have a child that you're estranged from. To this parallel here, and then it just—it's a lot. Yeah, I think that they're really bringing things into hyper focus now. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything more really in the parallels? I really.
really don't. They were so blatant that it's like, but here they are. (laughs) I love the way they did it, though. Like the wife is saying, no, 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 he would not betray his family. And there he is, like, you know. And it immediately cuts to him going and meeting this woman, this Russian spy, with with a bouquet of flowers, no less. I mean, he's clearly been had. And I'm just sitting there going, sure, if that's what you want to believe to get to sleep at night, mm. not accurate. Um, so that was, it was very, very interesting because this is the second time that Cooper has saved Red's life. So I'm trying to think, I'm trying to put some thoughts into, into words here. Cooper is on the edge of the the jump drive that Liz left for him. He's finding out some stuff. He clearly knows that Liz thinks Red is in 13. Whatever that, you know, and then has the information from the uh, the congressman. Congressman? Mm-hmm. Senator? Um, I think it was, a, they just said a congressman. They didn't yeah. say okay. Must have been a, a representative because it was the House Intelligence Committee. Yep, that's right. Um, so he has basically enough information to be dangerous <laughs> or get himself into danger, one or the mm-hmm. other. And I have to wonder, I don't feel like it was played out in the scene, but I, I wondered at the time if it would have crossed Cooper's mind, what if he is this master spy? What if he has been screwing us over this whole time? And what if I just let them blow him off the face of the planet? I think it was the entire opposite. I was going to say, I didn't see it, but I I thought about like, it was, what they did was very interesting to me. Because what I saw is Cooper Cooper heard this whole thing about Red being N13 and a Russian spy and all that. Now, Cooper gets the, the, the flash drive and he manages to open it and he gets the, the representative telling him about um, all this, uh, you know, that there is a mole in there. But now think about what they're all saying. What Liz was saying, because is what she got from Blonde Cat, was that N13 was a mole in the KGB, inserted inside the KGB. Now, she also said that it continues. It's all, you know, it has continued over the years, and it has continued with the Chinese MSS. It had continued with uh, the the Brit intelligence, uh, with um, Mossad, United States, how can a mall be inserted in deep in the government of all of those countries? That doesn't make any sense. So it is pretty obvious to me that N13 has come to signify a group of people, not just one. So the original N13 was Katerina because Dom said, you know, you stole it, thinking that he was talking to Katerina. And now Sikorsky's told Red, you are in 13. So all of them are in 13. Now, I think that what we have is 
a bunch of moles in the governments and they're stealing information using hackers such as Rakitin that it's they're going in there and telling this is what you have to steal so the the thief steals it and they Sikorsky is the archivist he actually gets all the information compiles it and distributes it which makes sense so they're not really going against their governments because look what red has done with the information we we now know that red has been getting information from from sikorsky cooper now has seen that information well he did once because when he met with sikorsky Red said something about, I haven't heard from you in 30 years, you still seem no, to be No, he said, impression. in 30 years, I don't know why you're getting the impression that I work for you. Not that he hasn't seen the guy in 30 years. Just that in 30 years, you, I am never giving you the impression that I work for you. Why would you now start acting as if I do? I, I know that that's a common misconception. I went and I got it like three times and I said, no, that's not what he's really saying. He's just saying that. But anyway, so he gets his files. He may not have met. They may have been sent to him. Whatever. That's really not really important. But I think what Cooper is realizing, and I saw that in the way that he asked Dembe, how does he get all that information? I think that Cooper is starting to realize that those files is how Red get information. And those files, far from hurting the United States, are actually helping the United States keep them safe. So I'm thinking that the objective of this group of people is actually keep their country safe by sharing information. And probably taking down the cabal because Red said that the Katarina was went away or disappeared with information that would, could compromise the people in the cabal. So I think well, that with all huh? the, the fulcrum compromised, I've all, I felt like, especially since the, the whole N13 and Sikorsky archives has come out, the, the fulcrum was like a snapshot. And so it was, it was like the thumb drive. You've got it. It's not updating, but it's, it's that information for that long. But yeah. it was a 30-year-old jump drive, basically. I feel it was part of the archives. Probably the exactly. one of the few. The exactly. First one. The, that it came from that, and that was compromising information against the cabal. And that, so, yeah, I could completely see the folks behind Sikorsky archive being against the cabal. Yeah. And, and, and was, this is how they're taking it down. Mm-hmm. By having people like like red everywhere in each one of the countries and he's bringing each one of them are bringing the their security or their intelligence services the information and taking down criminals and i think that there is a plan that it's underneath of this and that's what red keeps saying there is work that i have to be done Zembe tell him that our work is not yet done and he felt that the work they were doing kept innocent safe that's what he was telling the imam. So I think that it, it's all coming together, and and I'm and I'm loving this. I think Cooper is realizing, yeah, Red may be in 13, but that doesn't mean that he's acting against the United States. Liz just got it wrong, and he's saying things that she should has no idea what she's saying. Question for you about Cooper. 
so we had Charlene with that lovely comment about President Cooper. And I thought of you as soon as that popped up. With the way that it all shook out, do you still think that's their aim? Do you think that Cooper's going to pull an ace out of his out of his sleeve and he will be in the Senate? I think that now he's being put out in the ether. It, it would come to that because I think that that was always the objective. It's not going to be done until it, it you get somebody in, in a position of power. And I always felt that the reason Anna McMahon was doing what she was doing was in order to prevent Diaz from being outed. I don't know, you know, because we haven't we have no idea who's a president now in in the blacklist. Well, the I arrest- noticed they were very careful about that. I don't know if it's because they couldn't get the actor that played Diaz back. No, he resigned. They, oh, Remember? Yeah, he, yeah, he resigned. So I guess if they had had an, is his vice president? I, so we don't know who it is. Yeah, season six was brutal for yeah. me, so I just kind of. Yeah. So I think that that that's what what uh what we're headed, and if it's not, I think it, it Cooper is actually the right one, and maybe this time it actually will come back, you know, and they will offer him that with no. With no strings attached. But there was a lot of morality going on in this about the moral, the morality of of intelligence and strikes and all that. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a very interesting episode. And I felt like it did something that I, I really like it when TV does. They posed a hard question without answering it. And so I feel like so much of television, because, I mean, everybody has their bias. And some TV shows are better at it than others. You know, writing without their bias being overt. And I felt like, you know, however the writers felt in this case, felt like they posted it without necessarily coming down very hard on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. The They... They said, you know, hey, this is the situation. These are some of the, the variables on it. It was a very interesting question. It was a very thought-provoking question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was a little peep with a ram. I, uh, you cannot kill somebody with a, with a, a due process. Uh, and I'm like, excuse me, dude, did you not throw a missile at uh, the architect? A titanium rod um, by I don't know what that basically pulverized it. I don't think you did due process except saying you can't do this again. That was due process. And that was perfectly, I was perfectly fine with it. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it, it was an interesting stance that he took on that. But I also thought it was interesting that whole argument between park and wrestler in front of the perp that was bizarre and that that was good cop bad cop well and that's that's what i was expecting when i watched it the first time so when i watched it live friday night i was like oh well it's gonna circle around and she's going to have done that so that uh so that the the russian spy trusts wrestler and that would have made sense but if that had been the goal they would have made some sort of comment about it I think it was when she left and wrestler said, listen, we got 10 minutes before the CIA shows up. I, yeah, I don't think that, I think Park legitimately felt that way and was, because we've seen her do that kind of stuff before. It's very odd that she'll, she Yeah, it's will okay when I bash people on the head yeah. with a, with a, an ashtray, but uh, no, 
you cannot bring this pie back to to uh to the Russian consulate. Yeah, mm. she gets on her high horse at very bizarre times, and I I think in a way it's, it's interesting. I've heard people describe her as the uh, basically the the grouping of all of the other characters. They basically just picked uh, traits from them and made up Park, and a lot of that feels true because the the whole trying to you know getting on your high horse and really looking down and almost going above and beyond on it so that it's mm -hmm. comical in the way that it's being not like funny comical but like absurd comical uh the way she does it is a lot like what wrestler's done over the years when he's feeling guilty over something and he's like let me point the judgment somewhere else yeah just complete overreaction on it and so and I, maybe i'm just reacting to it because i'm just tired of Park not having anything of her own, really. Yeah. <laughs> She's just not a character within her own, um, which I think is a waste. But Park. somebody in Reddit had a great thought about a Ram's friend from NSA who did something to the code. The the um, drive. Could that be Janet? Could they be circling back to to Aram going back to Janet? Maybe because he didn't he didn't he refuse to tell Cooper who it yep. was? Yeah. Or somebody. He refused yep. to tell somebody who it was. Maybe so. Yeah, I thought it was a great comment. I wish I could remember who who made it, but it was a great comment. Well, cat tip whoever did. <laughs> so. yeah. That'd be a far more interesting relationship now. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Um Round three. <laughs> oh, Janet. The Battle of the Rubber Duckies. <laughs> Banana. Yeah. Um. And Cooper was very interesting how he, he was navigating this this waters. Yeah. I, I By the way, I'd love to say having Charlene back was fantastic. We haven't seen her in forever. Honest, I think it's been since season three that we saw her. We saw her at Liz's quote-unquote funeral. Mm -hmm. And that may have been the last time we saw her. Because I know for a while that there was a lot of conversation. Did they get back together? I mean, Yeah, like, I think that that was the, the, the thing that yeah, they did. It, it felt like they might have, but there was never anything concrete about it. There was one statement Red made somewhere along the way where he said... Uh, go or home give, to your family. Yeah. Um, forgive Charlene. Well, yeah. And then that he said, like, there. I'm going back to people who love me. And when he yeah. was getting out of, you know, one of those out of his temper tantrums with Red. <laughs> but it's interesting because it made it pretty obvious to me that Charlene knows Red. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I just, as a Tom fan that I am, I was highly amused that she was fond of Tom. We saw that at Liz's funeral in season three, where she looked at Cooper and said, you know, I'm just poor Tom. And so she was fond of Tom, who she knew was, had full capability of being a really bad guy. But when it comes to Raymond Reddington, nope, there's no wiggle room. She just, he is not allowed to he judge her. He broke the gate. <laughs> and then wrestler came and kicked the gnome. I mean, come on, this before destroying her house. <laughs> and yet Red is the one <laughs> that she does not like. 
And I just was so amused by that because it just, it felt so right. You know, this, this is the man that, that constantly takes her husband away from her. This is the man that constantly puts him in danger. And I, I just. Also I saved him. Yeah. I mean, he was about I, to be electrocuted with basically a generator in, in a tub of water. My guess is that Charlene didn't know about that. There's, I, I don't know when it would have been. My guess is sometime after season three during their breakup, like after they got back together, Cooper shared all. Mm. Because I just don't think they had that kind of relationship before where he was willing to well, break the law. Can't tell her. Exactly. I mean, Red's classified and he's obviously told her now. She clearly knows about Red. Mm. And so... But we also had the whole thing in season two where Charlene was part of uh, Tom Connolly's. Yeah. To, her to, to, uh, to um, blackmail her. Yeah. Basically to, to leak information. Um, it's interesting because they get, they get the families involved. And, and I think finally we've got to talk about Anne. I like Anne. I do. Oh, I like Anne, but I gotta. I, we gotta talk about something before we talk about how we like her. Is she's a plant? It's about. Think about this. Think about it as a writer, not just as a fan. Think about everything that Red tells Anne. Absolutely, the truth. Tells her, her his name is Raymond, not any of his Kenneth or. Or uh, Steve Holman, or no, says it's Raymond. Tells her he's a fugitive, number one on the on the list. I can I just break in for a second. I loved that because he started as number four, and then somewhere along the way got moved to number one. And I well, love that. He's still rampage with the uh, with Diane Fowler. Ah, but I, I loved that comment that she made. Number one, not number four. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would have picked them. I would have gone with number four because now we have yeah. delirious of grandeur. So it was a very interesting comment and certainly puts her in a little bit of a shady area there. But the, the point that I wanted to make before we go into Anne and whether she's an operative or not, or, and definitely how cute she's with Red. Um, now let's think about the rest of the things that that Red told her. Told her he was in the Navy. Told her his name is Raymond. Told her there was a, a while. And now basically did a very um, creative way of actually describing what he does. Client relocation. He was more honest with her than he is with the majority of people in his life. Yes. To so, a stranger, essentially. So think about what he told Anne. And what they've been telling us, you know, especially when you think about that that weird little scene of I'm not her father and whatever last year, last um, last episode. He's basically telling uh, they're basically the writers by having Red tell her this and be truthful. There is no reason to doubt that he is Raymond Reddington. see that I mean it doesn't take a whole lot of convincing for me because I I believe that 
when he took on the name Raymond Reddington, it was long before Liz was born. Mm-hmm. I think he has, there may have been another Raymond Reddington. The bones may belong to another man named Raymond Reddington, but I think it happened before the Naval Academy. I think it would have been as a very young adult or a teenager. He took on that identity. Or when he was excommunicated by his father. Yeah, but exactly. It, they just made a very, very interesting choice in the way they say this. That's very Lucas Ryder. Was the, that our was that our writer for this? Yeah. I didn't know it was Lucas. Yeah. And the way that the episode is the words and what he's saying by saying the truth about most, you can assume he's saying the truth about everything. So that means he's telling he is Raymond Reddington, which then brings us to that weird thing. And I got to credit the other Jen in my life with she came with a very interesting explanation for that if i were her father is a very complicated I can't go into that um i let her write the post and then but definitely it's interesting because add that to the parallels that we saw with Greeley. and look at what they're doing you know from a from a writer perspective what they're telling us without telling us they're basically telling they're walking back everything and they're they're putting it right there. Red is the Raymond Reddington that went to the Naval Academy. Um, and they're giving it us they gave us the parallel with with Abraham um, Moores that he has a daughter that he, you know didn't want to go into the same family business. Then they give us the 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 Greeley parallels that this is a contractor that ended up sending secrets, but in that particular parallel, you have to change things because you have a change in the wife's and the mistress' hair. So who's the wife in the other? Yeah, I redhead. I'm not as inclined to think the hair is as big of a deal, but I don't. I'm not going to go as far as to say you're wrong on it. Um, no, that's one step further. <laughs> <laughs> I'm slowly reeling you in. No, 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 no. I would like to be clear. I am not agreeing with Carl <laughs> So who do you think is, like it, where do you think is Katarina? I, I don't think we've seen her yet. I, I think that it's, it's someone else we'll be introduced to. Or... Maybe they'll even take Lottie and age her up. I don't know. Um, I, I think it's going to be difficult at this point. I've wondered about that. Well, what would you, if you were a writer, wouldn't you introduce a character that important, let's say, in season one, season two, episode one? The same season that you're going to actually talk about her name? I'm not saying that it's not an interesting theory or an interesting story. I'm just saying that I'm not on board with this. <laughs> <laughs> ah. I find many, many stories fascinating. It doesn't mean that I see them line up and believe mm-hmm. that that's the way that they're going in the in this ah. story that they're telling. This is in season two, and I haven't convinced her. <laughs> ah, it remains a boutique idea. I think there's like 30 people who believe it. <laughs> I would have to be worried if there was a lot of people thinking it was true. 
But I thought there was an interesting thing about choosing to tell Anne the truth. And it was such a heartbreaking moment to see him like come to that conclusion when Denby saying like you don't want this. It almost made me feel that Red has done this before and, and Denby is continuously like bringing well, him back. He has. Josephina. And look what happened. I mean, this isn't the first time that he... I mean, she knew who he was, I guess. Mm -hmm. But, like, this isn't the first time that he's been inclined to be romantically involved with an innocent. It's... And I I think that may be what Dembe was getting at. Especially because Anne... And let's just take a step back in from their point of view, whether Anne is or is not a plant. They don't think neither, it is. Neither of them have come to that conclusion at all. But Dembe's worries seem to be that here is this woman from, you know, middle of no, you know, middle, middle of no, country, Kentucky. Uh, I don't know where the town she said she was from. Did it may be. Wichita? No, she went from Wichita. I think it was like a, I think she said it was like South Wichita or something like that. I don't yeah. know. A small town. Yeah, and so small town Midwest, who clearly doesn't recognize him, or, you know, supposedly, and doesn't believe him, thinks he's being funny about being, you know, and granted, I don't think Dembe would know that Red was saying all those things. He might be yeah, a I don't think that Dembe knows the extent of, of, um, yeah, of what he, Red has been saying. All Dembe knows going into that is that Red said he needed an hour break, and it turned into three. Then when he called him, Red waved him off, and Dembe found him eating chocolate and drinking wine with this woman that Dembe knows nothing about. And he's just like, WTF, man. And from Dembe's statements that he made it sounds like he's more worried about this woman getting hurt either emotionally or maybe even physically because mm -hmm. what happens if one of red's enemies comes well, by that's what what Dembe was telling red before yeah. is like you being alone in a park with nobody to guard you when you have this crazy woman trying to kill you yeah exactly and it's like and he's bringing you know essentially a civilian into it <laughs> you know someone that doesn't know what kind of risk is being taken and Dembe's like I understand Remind me a little bit of Red the movie yeah a little bit uh it's been a long while since I've seen it but um but it, it was just a very interesting thing and I, I think it called back to this idea that Perhaps, I, I think it leans into the idea that Red didn't have a choice when he left his family. That it was a setup. It was not something that he chose to do. He was forced to do it. And he said as much to, to Jennifer, he said, I left you to protect you. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that in a lot of ways... I mean, what he was doing, remember in season two when he told Liz that she was playing house? Mm -hmm. That's what Red was doing. He was playing house with Anne. He was pretending for just a few minutes that things were, that he was normal. That he was just a normal that person. That he could just meet a woman he liked and date her and, you know, contemplate a future together. And, and Maybe those not things even that, that far. Maybe not even that far. But for that moment, he was normal. 
he could have a date with her, a normal date to, I mean, as normal as, you know, going to a Hitchcock movie is, you know, hey, um, it's fun. Um, Very interesting movie too, North by Northwest, about a man who's mistaken by a spy. I was going to say, I haven't seen it. Mr. Um, Kaplan, you should. That's the name of the guy. Oh, okay. Someone said so, it was a pair of little Mr. Kaplan. I was about to ask you. There we go. I need to see the movie now. Um, but yeah, it was uh, for, for a brief moment, he was able to play house. He was able to play normal. Mm-hmm. And I think that just encourages that idea that Red was forced into this life and that he's been living this life because he is obligated to. Yeah, he was he was he was framed as we saw, and and you know and, and the rest of question about that why would he continue why would he take that identity? It, it's still you know even if it is Raymond Reddington, I bet that after the fire and after being um, accused of being a traitor and framed, I don't think that he came voluntarily. He he you know. He had a choice to become somebody else, to, to get off the name, get off the face, and become somebody else, and yet he didn't. So no matter who you think he was, the question is that he remained Raymond Reddington. If it, if he became Raymond Reddington to get the money, he remained Raymond Reddington, and we always have to think who is who benefited by that. Well, I mean, I think that in a lot of ways, names are interchangeable for a lot of these people, that they spend so much time undercover, they spend so much time, and that's why I think when they give their real name, or, or the name that they associate is real, because it's it's like Tom. I went and dug up an interview that was out years ago, that the interviewer was asking Tom, or asking Tom, asking Ryan why he thought that Tom, that Tom kept the name Tom instead of, you know, asking people, continuing to ask people to call him Jacob. And he said that, you know, the show is about identity and that as Tom, that was the first time that that he really felt like himself. And I think that that may be true for Red as well, that when he gives people the name like Anne, he was being real with her. He was sharing real things with her. And so it was just a little glimpse of normal, of mm-hmm. of something that he wants but can't have. And, yeah, I'm with you. Like, as angry as I've been at Red, that last scene of him telling her that, um, that, that he wasn't going to be able to make it while watching her there just broke my heart. And I, domesticated Red is a very interesting Red. Yeah, it was it was it was probably heartbreaking, and it would have been more heartbreaking for me had I not realized that little look that he gave the guy on the bike uh, that was in there, um, and had I not already been, well, she's wearing a plaid hat and she had a plaid coat, and that weird look that she gave when the uber car came and she just said well i dismiss him and then she didn't want to be driven back to the sheraton and she said that she's been there for a week which would mean that from 805 to 808 has been just a week which kind of sounds very difficult i mean i accept that if that's what it is 
but it seems like uh, for somebody who came to New York for a week, the wardrobe department went a little crazy because she had four different coats. Four. You come to New York and you park, pack four beautiful coats. That's a very expensive uh, bag that you brought with you. <laughs> Those things are heavy. Yes. And you have four of them. That's a little weird, yeah, if you ask me. And then she said she's been there for a week, but it seems like more time has passed. And they they also, you know, this is where they did those all those things with the Kate May Warbler. And it's a throwback to, it just seems to me, Anne was, and that comment about going with number four, does she really not know who he is? Or was that person in the bike, that man in the bike there, some sort of an agent? And I, we know that she comes back. It just seems to me that there is a lot of things about Dear Anne uh, that seem off. Will she be back? We, we've seen... I, I yes, seen that's a spoiler. She's okay. back. She's uh, back. And, yeah, and, she's back. Yeah. Because at the end of this episode, I... Previously, I thought that she was a plant. I was fairly certain that Liz had inserted her as, you know, as a basically payback for Tom. Um, but after this episode, I was like, well, maybe they were just using her as a glimpse into the life, you know, the, the could be's, the would be's, the what ifs. And yeah, I was. When he wrote that letter to Ellen Winston, and if she had answered. He would have been thinner and living in Maine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, one, one of those moments. And so, but if she's coming back, I agree with you that, that there has to be more. And which sends me back to my original that I think that she's probably someone working with either with Liz or as we talked about last week, if someone is impersonating Liz, um, Post the the basically since the last time we saw her on the plane with with Agnes, that when she landed she got kidnapped and someone's been running the show in her name. Plus, plus the one thing that that is um, you know, Bar Josephine that you know given she was the daughter of an arms dealer, so every woman that Red has shown an affection for seems to be extremely dangerous, badly tempered, and inclined to violence. I'm somehow seeing Anne as a, an anomaly that I'm not sure I can believe. I mean, look at Liz. Oh, yes, what well, she went for, you know, she just, Tom. Uh, yes, and, and look at Nick. She should have gone with Nick. Yeah, except Nick actually was took money for things and ended up just so he wasn't that above board. And everywhere where you look for Liz, you find that you, the people always go to the same type. So that said, is Anne really the innocent? She looked she's adorable. It was an it, there were such great scenes with them eating chocolates and having a good time and and hearing read um very uh fancy description of what he does i love the client relocation 
Oh, <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, that that whole scene was fantastic, and I just <laughs> Dimbe can loom intimidatingly, <laughs> intimidatingly, <laughs> in a corner for being such a teddy bear sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he great. was like, I can't you believe know. this. I can't believe this. I have to come and get you out of here. <laughs> you great. know him? Yeah, he's a colleague. Yeah, he looks like he wants to like take you apart and like grab you out of there and. Yeah, and Red's just utterly and chill. The, about the it. conversation in the plane was like, but we're just going to go see North by Northwest. It looked like a teenager that wanted to go to the movies with a girlfriend, and the parent was saying, No, you're gonna get her hurt. That's yeah. Let's let's flip the roles here. <laughs> I mean someone's gotta be the adult in this relationship. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was so funny. To me, to see Dembe in like, uh, it was an hour, now it's three, now I find you eating chocolates, and, and now you're going to the movies, and meanwhile, there's this crazy chick trying to kill you. <laughs> Poor Dembe. Put a load of Semtex in a, in a hospital. And Poor they didn't Dembe. even know about He's... the car. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess nobody ever found out about that. <laughs> yeah, I still say I was so terrified that Marvin was going to get blown to Kingdom Come that day. Oh, and they mentioned Marvin's name again. So apparently Marvin's totally cool with working, or at least is working with Red still. Yeah. I feel like I would have said, cashing in my chips, I expect a retirement plan after all that. <laughs> yeah. I think it was a bad judgment on the part of the writer that, you know, you, you just, it, it just felt like a misuse of the characters, but all right, let's get past that. <laughs> um, so you think that the, I think, so the, I guess that the point I didn't make is by Cooper realizing that maybe Red's information is coming from these files and this and the archive and in 13, I think that the point is that eventually Cooper will be part of it, and especially if he gets to become a senator of the present. You think he'll be part of in 13? Yeah. They need somebody high up. Because if, I mean, if in 13 is what you're saying it is, which makes sense, it does. I'm not saying that it's not accurate. Um, but if it is what your what your theory says it is, then yeah, I could see that. Because they especially have if if it leads to him being president. Yeah. And that's how they finish taking down the cabal. It's uh, it, it's a uh, we're we're seeing here. It, it's the enemy within. And in a very interesting mirror image of the enemy within is the, is the shapeshifter, the shape shift. One of these days, I'll say it right. Shapeshifter, that the guys, the good guys are not the bad, are the bad guys, and the bad guys are the good guys. And everything that you think you know is going to be twisted at the end, and you're gonna be like, whoa, I never see that coming. Well, Brad said it in the pilot. He said, everything you know about me is a lie. And I think that that goes for, it, it goes back to that sleight of hand that they do. 
that that lovely sleight of hand where they make you think one thing is happening and they flip that camera and it's really the kid that's being stalked. Yeah. It's the same. It's it's what they do every time. Who you think is a bad guy is never the bad guy. And I always go back to those commercials with Tom Keene. And they, you know, they say everybody's being watched. You never know who's a guy, the good guy and the bad guy. I, I think that whoever we think is a is a good guy, and and they've been telling us from the very beginning that Red is there's sheep's in wolf clothes and wolf in in um in sheep's clothes. There is when you think about about. Floriana Campo and I've been doing a long series about about analyzing the themes of the show because it feels to me that the writers have a bag of stories of kinds of stories and then to create a new story they take a few elements and they mix them differently and that's how they do the story but how the they created point, park? Huh? how they created park yeah <laughs> well yes <laughs> and then how they how they do this with the stories is fascinating because they're themes and the themes get repeated over and over, but never the same. There are no two stories that are the same. And I found it fascinating when we go back to the freelancer in Red gets to Floriana Campo and she says, I he, he told Liz, I hate her. She, I despise her. She was, she was a, a something like an evil person dressing the wings of an angel and a devil devil dressed as an angel no something like that but basically she pretended to be a good person and she was a bad person and tested everything about her and i think that what everybody's been telling liz uh including naomi is he's not who you think you he is it's that he's not the bad man that you think he is And I think that Red hated her because it was a mirror image. He's a good person doing bad things, but with a good purpose. And that's exactly what Dr. Gray told him when he was analyzing in the psychiatrist. You're an imposter. People think you're an iconic bad guy, but you're an imposter. So these themes of shapeshifters are all coming here and and i think with with n13 we're going to see exactly the same thing we keep thinking is the bad people is the bad people and they're going to shift and we're going to see another nod they're the good people well we have that episode i don't think it's the next one but i think it's the one after it of the doppelgangers coming up i think it's the next one the is it oh. yeah is that the is that the doppelganger one i think it is the doppelganger the serenoids wait well, I hope we see Liz back. Um, and spoilers for anybody that didn't see the the preview for next week. They went well out of their way to every time we saw Liz, every time they called Liz's name, it was always the back of her head. And going like a like a little bobblehead. Yes, absolutely. That was very weird. It was. And so, I mean, granted, it could have just been, hey, we've heard this theory going around. Let's cut it this way to, to you know, tug on that fishing line there. Yeah. Could have been that. Totally willing to acknowledge it. But it also could be that it's, I mean, it's a doppelganger episode. I I almost kind of hope Liz is 
being I think it would be somewhere. awesome if if Red says, are you looking for this gun that we, what we saw? And then she turns to him and he's like, wait a minute, you're not Liz. Yeah, who are you? Well, uh, and huge spoiler here, but there was something that uh, that was floating around Tumblr that, that I think it was Allie Blacklist posted of a behind the scenes uh, from one of the social media accounts. And you saw Diego chasing uh, Liz, uh, Megan's stunt double. Um, down down some uh, a ladder, and then the stunt double runs down the um, down out, off camera. Diego follows, and then you hear the stunt double yell "bang," like a gun going off, mm-hmm. um, you know, to signal a gun going off, and then it cut off. And <laughs> at the time, I was like, "Oh my gosh, did Liz just shoot wrestler?" But what if the stunt double's playing Liz's doppelganger? And, I mean, I'm a little worried for wrestler coming up. Yeah, because she will not have the compulsions uh, Liz has. Absolutely. I mean, Liz, you, you can argue all day long how much Liz cares about wrestler. but So the fact far, that she's she not going to shoot him. She does care about him in some form or fashion. I feel like we can, I mean, I'm sure there's some, some outliers. She, she there, can but get there to the point where she will shoot wrestler, but I don't think she's there yet. I think she cares about them, and you know, other I think than she might shoot than, him in the leg, but I don't think she would shoot him, shoot him, you know, not shoot to injure, not shoot to kill. And I don't even think that if she could get away with it, she'd shoot to injure right now. But regardless, I, I think it's very fascinating that we're coming up on this on this doppelganger episode. I think we may, I'm hoping, we'll get some answers. So, especially, there's been this looming question of where's Liz been. I mean, okay, so we we hear her. The last time the we saw her was in the in that plane. On the plane with Agnes, and I think that's if there is a doppelganger of Liz, I think that's the breaking point. That's the last time we saw the last time we saw Megan on screen would have been the last time Liz was in play. Yeah, I think that it was whatever she landed. There was something going on there. I don't know that it was her after that. I'm not sure that anything that she did was after that. I mean, it, exactly. It just... They they've gone out of their way on. Typically, when they shoot a phone scene, they're shooting both sides. There's nothing with COVID to say that they can't do that. There's no outstanding issues why they wouldn't be able to shoot two sides of a phone conversation. And so the fact that every time someone's on the phone with Liz, we don't see her is very strange. Mm-hmm. It's like the fact that. For the preview for next week, we only see the back of her head. It's off the beaten path of what they typically do. And so it's it's a red flag. I think it would be fascinating, considering how many times she's been kidnapped. Um, oh, it, it, it doesn't even need to be against her will. I mean, maybe she's just, this is a plan that she cooked up with Townsend or whoever. I mean, she's she's trying to get Red killed. That's her objective. And the best way to get him killed is to go to his enemies. Very true. And so it'll it'll be interesting. Um, we still don't know what she has Chemical Mary for. All we know is Chemical Mary is locked away somewhere and she wants to see, quote unquote, her. And there were two people guarding her. Yeah, that and didn't look a happy situation. No. Like, and, and I wouldn't suspect if Liz is in the room next door. 
Yeah, very well might be. Um, playing Go Fish with Agnes. Yeah, it's a very, very... Um, uh, I, I like what they're doing in this season. It seems exciting. I like the way that the old threads are all coming together, as I said that they would be. I think I'll be much more okay with the lack of Liz once I have a solid answer of why there's a lack of Liz. It, it seems to me it has to be that, that that's the reason why we're getting this doppelganger. And have you seen the one of the women in that? Um, I've seen a the cast. It's scary. She looks so much like Liz. Is it Liz's or is it Megan Stump Devil? No. Okay. It's an, another actress. It's it's. I it bet that they found like her with artificial intelligence. It's no the <laughs> It's brilliant. Not even an actress go knock on her door. Hello, you look like yes. Megan Boone. <laughs> yes, we need you to play a role. You live in New York City. Of course, we found you. <laughs> I don't know where she lives, but obviously oh, they no, found her. No, I'm just her. saying because there's so many cameras in New York. Yeah. That was sorry. It's that was insane. the joke. Insane. So anyway, I don't have anything else. No, nope, neither do I. That's. I think we covered it. And so I'm. I'm looking forward to next episode. And I. We've got a very, very short hiatus coming up relatively soon. I think. Um, I don't know if they're doing 22 episodes a season. If I they do, it's coming, it's coming after after eight, right? Between eight and nine. The the hiatus. Yeah. Um, well, this was eight. I think we've got an episode on next oh, week. Oh, nine between nine and ten. Nine. Yeah, but it's only a one week hiatus, which is nice. That's gonna be nice. It'll give us a break, but not. I, I hate those long, yeah. long breaks. Just. I'm sure that the episode then will be... Is this next one um, Sam's episode? Or... I th- oh. There's an episode of hers coming up. Same I, don't know if, I don't know if this is hers or this is the Coopers. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the episode. It's going to be great. Um, I love the idea of the doppelgangers. I, I mean, there's a theme I've been going about, and there are so many of them from well, all sorts. I'm looking forward to finding all the parallels, and I'm hoping that they're there. We'll see after the episode airs. Um, between the redemption episode about doppelgangers. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm blanking on the name of the episode, but the one with Independence in USA. That's it. Yeah, I would love for them to somehow tie that in i mean it doesn't even have to be overtly because i mean that's it was a spinoff but still it'd be well they say they inhabited the same universe so oh yeah definitely had to have um but yeah that's all i got do you want to do some questions uh no i don't have them pulled up we'll have to we do have um over on tumblr so person that sent us all the lovely questions over on tumblr tessa and i are going to take a look at those and uh probably split them up between us and get them answered um and answer you on those answers are incoming eventually sorry (laughs) all right Uh, they look like awesome questions though 
Um, but if you guys want to listen to us, uh, we are on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if you want to talk to us, we are on Tumblr, like our lovely Ask Sender. Uh, send us asks on Tumblr. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Tessa is on Reddit. Until next time. Until next time. Bye-bye.